0: Welcome back, Crimaholics. It's your host, Holly, and today's episode is one that has been on my list for well over a year now. This case is one that was suggested by a listener from the UK, and I made a promise that I would cover it, and here I am finally bringing it to you. I want to start off this episode by saying that this case, I think, can be used kind of as a learning tool. I feel that, with true crime, many of us enjoy watching and listening to these stories because it helps us get a better understanding of the evil in the world. For some of us, it might help us realize that our situation that we are in is toxic and dangerous. For others, it might help pinpoint red flags when they come up. This story involves a woman who was stalked and then murdered. Stalking is a very serious thing that I think is not talked about often enough. According to stalkingawareness.org, an estimated of 6 to 7.5 million people are stalked in a one-year period in the United States. Nearly 1 in 6 women and 1 in 17 men have experienced stalking victimization at some point in their lifetime. Now, many of you might be wondering what exactly is stalking, and while the legal definition of stalking varies from one jurisdiction to another, a good working definition of stalking is a course of conduct directed at a specific person that would cause a reasonable person to feel fear. With the way that technology is now in the openness of social media and what we share and put out there can be literally seen by everyone. This raises major opportunities to fall victim of stalking. Looking back at my memories on Facebook from 2010, I cringe. I would literally blog out my routine for the day and all my plans for all of my stops. Now, it might just be my true crime brain screaming at me now, but those were all huge opportunities for me to fall victim to someone who could have been watching my posts. While I am talking about this, before we dive into the details of this case, I do want to recommend a fantastic podcast by my friend Jake and his co-host Jamie. Their podcast is called Strictly Stalking. Now, what I love about their podcast is that they are a true crime podcast, but what they do is so unique to this community. They offer a platform for their victims of stalking to tell their stories which again I think is a great learning opportunity for individuals so they can be made aware of how one person was stalked and how it could be different for everyone. I really admire what Jake and Jamie do with their podcast, and if you're interested in learning more about stalking situations and hearing those stories, I highly recommend you search Strictly Stalking on your preferred podcast platform. Okay, so now that I have been blabbing for quite some time, let's get into the real reason that you're here. Today's episode is on the murder of Molly McLaren. Molly McLaren grew up in a small rural village in Kent in the United Kingdom. Everyone who knew and loved her said that she was a very bright and driven, charming woman. Everyone also always loved to be around her, and when they were around her, they felt like she was just so uplifting and inspiring. At the age of 21, Molly headed off to university where she had planned to pursue a degree in health and fitness at the University of Kent. Molly was really looking forward to the fresh new start at life and that little slice of freedom that came with going to university. She was so excited for the opportunity to live that life of a college student, and she couldn't wait to embrace all that came with the territory, including the heavy coursework, new friends, parties, and the opportunity to meet and date new guys. The first week of school after she was all settled in, Molly began making friends with some of her fellow classmates. In one of her first classes, she makes friends with a girl named Jennifer. In an interview, Jennifer states that there was just this instant connection between her and Molly and that the two of them were really drawn to one another. Molly being the bright, bubbly, and charming person that she was, she quickly made friends that ended up being a very close group of girls. And honestly, these women are what got Molly through that first year of university they would get together all the time to socialize. And there was also a woman named Amelia who was a part of the group who also became very close to Molly during their freshman year. Amelia and Molly really bonded over their love for fitness and working out. Amelia recalls in an interview that Molly was extremely motivating in all aspects of life. And not only that, but she says that Molly always put in 100% into everything that she did and that is also why Molly got incredible grades. She literally excelled and pushed hard through everything. Naturally, being the go-getter that she is, she decided to launch a blog that followed her fitness journey. Through social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and an actual blogging website, she posted her ins and outs of her days, what she ate, and the workouts that she was doing. And like the friends that Molly made, people were just drawn to her energy, and so her blog became very popular. People liked reading her stuff because she was so motivational in all aspects of her life. Not only did people find inspiration in her fitness and dieting, but they found it in her everyday life. Whatever barriers was put in front of Molly, she overcame it by leaps and bounds. But as we all know, life that is portrayed on social media isn't exactly a true depiction of what we are going through as individuals. Molly had her own struggles and they weren't something that she broadcasted for all to read. Molly struggled with some mental health issues as well as an eating disorder. And this is something that she didn't open up about with her friends very often. She often waited until she became extremely close with someone before she would open up about them and her difficulties. She opened up to one of her very good friends and co-worker about her struggles with bulimia, but Molly wanted to overcome it, so every day she would wake up and make the conscious decision to stay on track, and most of the time she was really good about it despite a few bad days. Going to university, the friends group that she had, and the blogging really helped give Molly a purpose. With everything falling into place for Molly, the only thing that was left that she wanted was to find a serious relationship. In June of 2016, Molly was finished with her first year of university and she was finally on summer break to enjoy some freedom. It was during this time that she decided to get on the popular dating app Tinder. And in late July, she matched with a 24-year-old man named Joshua Stimson. To their surprise, they actually lived fairly close to one another, and the two of them really hit it off. But they only spoke over the phone, getting to know each other for a few months before they decided to officially meet in person. When they finally met in person, they clicked just as much as they did online, and it seemed like their internet chatting was going to easily flow into a successful relationship. She gushed to her friends about meeting a guy named Joshua and how they had gone on dates and everything seemed to be perfect. As the weeks go by, Josh and Molly get closer and closer, spending a significant amount of time together like most new couples do. They spent their evenings out at dinners, weekends sharing drinks, and they also both shared a deep love for fitness, so they worked out together frequently. For Molly, this was her very first serious relationship, and she was really falling for Josh and felt that she could open up with him and be honest about her struggles she's endured with both her mental health and bulimia. And to her surprise, Josh had his own struggles. They both confided in each other, and she learned that Josh had struggled with anxiety and depression. This only brought the two of them closer. They both found someone who could relate to the struggles they've overcome and endured, and so this created an even stronger bond between them. Molly learns that as a child, Josh was treated for his depression after his parents divorced, and his mother left to move elsewhere and the two of them really felt that they could help each other and be there for each other during their struggles and down days. But what Molly didn't know is that Josh had a troubling past when it came to relationships. In January of 2017, Molly and Josh have been dating for a few months, and Molly goes back to university to continue her studies. She decides around this time that her good friend Amelia should meet Josh, and so she sets up a gym session with the two people that she loves working out with the most in Chatham at the gym where she and Amelia worked out at. Amelia's first impression of Josh wasn't a good one. She stated in an interview that he wasn't overly chatty, and apparently during their workout, Amelia made a joke with Molly, which was their normal relationship with each other. But after everyone parted ways, Josh began messaging Molly seemingly upset about whatever was said and was trying to put some sort of wedge between Molly and Amelia, which of course Amelia heard about this and she instantly was put off by Josh. As the months went by, Josh's behavior began to get worse. Molly was in university and her classes required a lot of studying. If she ever wanted just a day to study and focus on her school, Josh would tell her that he needed to be there for her and he was super manipulative about it. And there was even times that he would just show up at her home unannounced anyway. Molly started feeling like she was being suffocated by his constant need to be around and the attention that he was demanding. She sends him a text message expressing to him that the two of them literally cannot be together 24-7 and that she was feeling really pressured. Josh did not respond well to these texts and he blew up. The nature of his messages back to Molly weren't revealed that I could find, but Molly confided in her friend Amelia, and Amelia states that she was surprised and shocked by the way in which Molly was being spoken to, and that he was saying nasty things and not apologizing for any of it after. It was after this that it seemed emotionally that Molly was beginning to be drugged down. She was still her normal bubbly self, but she often was feeling guilty or down on herself because Josh was making her feel like she was in the wrong for wanting a little bit of space. For those that knew and loved Molly, they were beginning to see the truth about Josh and that he wasn't a sincere person, and that ultimately his goal with the way that he was treating her and her friends was to completely isolate Molly from everyone Come spring of 2017, Molly has finally had enough of feeling suffocated and smothered by her boyfriend. She decided to end the relationship with Joshua Stimson, but he refused to accept the breakup. He floods Molly's phone with messages begging for her not to break up with him and pleading for them to get back together, even sending a text message that reads, I will literally beg. He continues to beg, asking for just one more chance. And a few weeks after the breakup, despite her friends telling her not to, Molly agrees to get back together with Josh. And instantly, Josh is back to his crazy, controlling, possessive ways. Josh would often force his way into outings that Molly had planned with her girlfriends. There were times when Molly would be telling Josh about some of her plans or where she was planning to go, and his response would be, cool, what time are we going? Or he would say, well, who else is going to be there too? So it was almost as if he expected to always be wherever Molly was, and most of those times he wasn't invited, but still forced his way in anyway. He never wanted Molly alone with her friends, and to me, that is obviously a huge red flag. I'm going to assume that he knew exactly what her friends thought of him, and he didn't want to give her an opportunity to ever allow them to get in her head about him. He was likely scared of what they would say about him to her. In May of 2017, Molly decided to go on a trip with Josh, and for her, this was kind of like a last attempt at seeing if they could make this relationship work. She wanted to see how it felt just being the two of them completely alone and allow them to just have this time to focus on each other. But while she's on this trip, Molly is texting her friends, telling them how it's not going well and how they weren't getting along. After she returned home, she was set on ending their relationship for good this time. But on June 17, 2017, Molly still had not officially broken it off with Josh. The two of them had been arguing over Facebook Messenger for days, but on that night, she went out with friends as well as Josh to celebrate her 23rd birthday. While out with everyone, Josh and Molly got into some sort of spat and she just snapped telling him that she was done and she didn't want to be with him anymore. And she literally broke up with him right there in the middle of the nightclub. He became aggressive and yelled in front of everyone, quote, she's done with me, end quote, before storming out of the nightclub but just when molly thought that she had seen the last of josh he began blowing up her phone with text messages facebook messages and any other way that he could get in contact with her which ultimately led her to block him in every single way that she could which you would think that josh would eventually just move on but this was the start of the nightmare that he was about to put her friends and family through Josh began posting terrible things on Facebook about Molly, which she couldn't see herself, but some of her friends were still his friend on Facebook. So she was made aware of the vicious and nasty things that he was posting about her. Josh did everything he could to publicly humiliate Molly by disclosing personal things and then tagging her friends and family in the posts. As I said earlier, Molly was really big into posting things online and living this healthy lifestyle and blogging about it, and Josh wanted to make it his mission to ruin her image. He even went as far as posting that Molly was using cocaine and, again, tagging her family in it so that they could see. Molly's friends all blocked Josh on Facebook, and then he turns to the app called WhatsApp to make contact with them all and to continue harassing them. Molly, at this point, is getting extremely concerned because he just isn't letting up. She begins expressing to her friends and family that she's concerned that Josh is just going to randomly show up at her home one day. She even tells them that she's scared that he might hurt her. Josh left one more chilling post online that read, quote, There's more to come, end quote. On June 22, 2017, Molly feels like it's time to do something because not only was she beginning to fear for her safety, but it was clear that Josh wasn't going to back down. She printed out all of the pictures, the text messages, the posts, and all of the conversations where Josh is harassing her, and she and her mother went to the local police station to report the abusive behavior as well as get advice on how she can go about getting his content removed after reviewing all that molly brought into the station the police officer decided that the best course of action was to just call up josh himself and ask him to remove the posts molly's mother joanne recalls josh's demeanor on the phone she states that when he answered he was very cool calm and collected and almost cold the police told him that he needed to stop what he was doing, and if he didn't stop, they'd have to come and arrest him. Josh replied that he had done nothing wrong, and he just kept repeating that over and over. And then he said, quote, and if you think I have, there's more to come, end quote. The officer ended the conversation asking him, we aren't going to have to talk about this again, are we? To which Josh replied, aren't we? Going to the police station and hearing Josh over the phone didn't do anything to ease Molly's fears about him. If anything, it completely heightened them. She tells her friend about how completely cold and emotionless he was in that conversation with the police officer, and she was absolutely frightened by it. It really worried Molly and her family to the point that they went as far as printing pictures of Josh up so they can hand them to the neighbors to have them watch out for him. On June 27, 2017, Josh goes to work, but he leaves work early that day. He drives over to a store called Asda in Chatham, and he buys a paring knife. Later in that day, he reportedly also bought a pickaxe. On that same evening, the police call Molly to let her know that Josh had contacted them and he agreed to removing all of his nasty social media posts about her. What Molly and her friends don't know is that Josh has friended and manipulated another woman. He gets this woman to friend Molly on social media so that he can know her every step and everything that she is posting. The following day, on June 28th, Molly and her girlfriends had planned an evening out at a bar called Ships and Trade in Chatham Docks. She documents this by posting online a cute selfie of herself looking absolutely beautiful with a caption on the image stating, Ships and Trade this Eve with a heart. Little did she know that this woman was feeding this information back to Josh. And I just have to say that he must have been so incredibly manipulative to be able to talk this woman into ultimately being his spy, relaying Molly's every step to him. Molly and her friends are eating dinner and having a few drinks, celebrating a few various different accomplishments that happened amongst the friends group, when in walks Joshua Stimson and another woman. All of the girls were completely shocked to see him there, but they thought it was just a crazy coincidence. Seeing Josh there actually made Molly feel good. She told her friends that she didn't feel an ounce of jealousy that he was there with another woman, and that is how she knew that she didn't love him anymore. Molly approached the bar to ask the bartender where she could pay for her parking, and Josh happened to approach the bar as well. The two of them made eye contact, and he ended up smiling at Molly. This was kind of weird for Molly. She couldn't figure out if this was just an odd coincidence, or if somehow he knew exactly where she would be. She kept trying to enjoy her evening with her friends, but the whole time, Josh kept making all of the girls feel super uncomfortable. About 20 minutes before the girls left, Josh and his date gets up to leave the restaurant and they purposely walked past the table where they all were sitting. According to her friend Amy, there was plenty of other ways he could have exited the restaurant, but he chose to walk right by them. They all talked amongst themselves about it and they just figured that Josh was being completely childish. Molly decided that it was time to head out and get back home and her friends wanted to stay behind for just one more drink. Molly has no idea that she is being stalked. The following morning on June 29th, she wakes up early and gets dressed to head to the gym. And she drives to the gym in Chatham where she planned to record her workout for her fitness blog. Just before 10 a.m., Molly arrives at the gym completely unaware that she is being followed. Molly chatted with her friend that morning and she reassured her that she made the right decision to leave Josh and not to worry about him any further. At that hour in the morning, the gym was completely empty and Molly had it completely to herself. Surveillance footage captures Josh Stimson coming into the gym and climbing the stairs leading to the area where Molly was. You can see him reach the top of the stairs and then head towards the door, but he stops and instantly turns around and goes back down the stairs that he had just came from. Halfway down the stairs, Josh stops again and turns back around going back up the stairs and heads once more for the door where Molly is. And I almost wonder if this was Josh debating on what he was going to do next. Josh can then be seen entering the area from another camera angle that is pointed directly in the direction of where Molly is working out. Josh grabs a mat and places it next to where Molly is working out and begins his own ab workout. When Molly realizes that it's Josh who is next to her, she is completely startled and begins staring at him. She sends a text with a picture of Josh to her friend that reads, WTF, he's just turned up and come right next to me. Her friend replies saying practically that there is no way that this is a coincidence and that it's just not right. Molly finally approaches Josh, which can be seen on surveillance footage, and she asks him why he's not at work, to which he replies, well, I don't think that's any of your business. Molly continues to text her friend while she tries to finish up her workout. She and her friend were trying to figure out how exactly he knew that she was at the gym when she was. Molly hadn't posted anything that morning and no one could have known she was there. All of a sudden, Josh gets up and leaves the gym, which again is seen on surveillance footage. Molly is now completely alone in the gym and absolutely terrified and unsure on what she should do next. Her friend Amy, whom she had been texting with, told her that maybe she should just go ahead and leave the gym and take herself completely out of the situation. Molly called her mom to let her know what was going on, and Joanne also said the same advice to leave the gym and go straight home. What Molly didn't know is that while she was inside the gym, Josh was driving around the parking lot waiting for her to come out. Molly gathers her things and goes to leave, texting her friend Amy, I'm always effing looking over my shoulder. Amy replied telling her don't speak to him. Just get out of there and just leave. Molly replied that she was walking to her car now. And Amy replied one last time saying, quote, Don't worry about him. He's a psycho, end quote. And psycho he was. Just after 11 a.m., Molly reaches her car and tosses her belongings inside, completely unaware that Josh is still within the parking lot. Before Molly can leave, Josh crosses the parking lot and jumps into the passenger side of her vehicle where he viciously and violently stabs 23-year-old Molly McLaren 75 times, many of those stab wounds directly to her neck. There was an eye witness to the horrific attack and that person actually tried to help save Molly by grabbing for Josh and pulling him out of the car. According to the mirror, this good Samaritan even slammed the door on Josh and then proceeded to try and pull on his legs. However, his legs were covered in Molly's blood and they were too slick to even get a good hold on him. Police were on scene quickly and he was arrested. While he approached the officer, his white tank top covered in blood, he tells police, quote, she's in the car, I've killed her, End quote. News traveled fast on social media about a violent attack happening outside of the gym. Molly's family were made aware of the attack before the police had even had the opportunity to notify them of her passing. To add a blow to the family, Joshua Stimson pled not guilty to her murder on the grounds of diminished responsibility. Josh claimed that he could not remember anything about the attack, and the case went to trial in late 2018. At the trial, it is revealed that Joshua Stimson has a long history of stalking and becoming violent towards other women after breakups including spitting in one woman's face, slashing another woman's tires, and threatening to fly wherever she is on vacation so he can drown her. It took the jury just four hours of deliberating to come back with a verdict. Joshua Stimson was convicted of murder and was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. The judge said during his sentencing that Josh was a highly dangerous young man who would pose a very considerable risk to women in the future. Five months later, all of Molly's friends and classmates were preparing for graduation. Her parents were invited to the graduation ceremony and there, in front of all of Molly's peers, they were presented with Molly's diploma. Since Molly's death, her parents Joanne and Doug, with the help of her friends, started a foundation called Molly McLaren Foundation, where they help fund established charities who educate, raise awareness, and provide support for people affected by eating disorders. Every year, the foundation also hosts a charity festival on Molly's birthday called Molly Fest. In the description of this episode, I will have the link to the Molly McLaren Foundation on there so you can see pictures of Molly and read more about the foundation. There's also a place to donate if you wish to do so. I will also have Molly's Instagram linked in the description as well so that you can check out her content and just admire how full of life she was. Lastly, I want to mention a few places where you can find resources for yourself or someone else you may know who is going through a stalking situation. I will also have all of these resources linked in the description of this episode as well. The website VictimsofCrime.org has a section that is a stalking resource center. This includes links to where you can find stalking response tips, ways to recognize if you're a victim of stalking, as well as video resources. The website I mentioned at the beginning of this episode called StockingAwareness.org is another great resource to check out. They have prevention strategies, ways to bring awareness to this issue, as well as resources you can utilize. But if at any time you're concerned for your safety and fear that you are being stalked, please call 911 and do everything that you can to protect yourself. Crimeaholics, if you're not already a part of our private Facebook group, be sure to find us by searching Crimeaholics Podcast Discussion Group on Facebook. In there, we share all information and pictures pertaining to the cases that we cover. You can also follow us on TikTok and on Instagram at Crimeaholics.podcast. And if you want to follow me personally, you can find me on Instagram at Crimeaholly. Crimeaholics, that is all for now. Until next time, be aware and take care.